All right, let me get this rolling. Okay. Uh, so we're in the middle of our month of, in the Psalms, and this has turned in for me to sort of a uh, what the Psalms teach us about how to the di- different types of prayer. We've talked about uh, supplication or petition is another way to say it. Last week we talked about a prayer of repentance. Looked at Psalm 51, and today uh, I want to talk about Psalm 100. And the key form of prayer here uh, would be thanksgiving or just praise, right? We, uh, we have a lot to be thankful for. And um, so we're going to look at this psalm, but I'm, I, I want to talk about praise and thanksgiving uh, because it plays such a crucial role in our lives, in our prayer lives. Um, so in a way, you know, all the psalms are praises, uh, because the word psalm literally means praise. Uh, it's the book of praises. Uh, but there are some psalms, like Psalm 100, that uh, specifically give us a way to express praise and thanksgiving to God. We've seen that the psalms can, can take us through a variety of different human emotions. Um, but here at the, here where we are in the book of psalms, there's a section that runs from about 95 through 106 or so. And uh, it's really just good worship material. Okay? It's, if you want to fuel your heart and your mind with ways to worship God, then just steep yourselves in these psalms. Uh, it's a wonderful collection, and they're, they're worship songs. You could also call them hymns. And I want to talk a little bit about what a hymn is. But they cover everything from the depths of our own souls to the mighty works of God in all creation, uh, to his history with his people Israel through their rebellion. I mean, there's some, there's some great uh, kind of recaps of the history of Israel and God's mighty works and faithfulness to, to the people of Israel through all the generations. So this is a great stretch of Psalms to really shape our worship of God. Okay. Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about. Praise, thanksgiving, worship. You, there's not really one word that you can use to, to say. If, you know, if the Psalms teach us anything, is, it's that there's not one way to say what we're trying to say. We say it this way and that way and this way and that way. So uh, what is a hymn? We, don't, we sing some hymns, but a hymn is you know, more than just the thing in the hymnal. It's a song that's used uh, either individually or corporately that includes calls to worship, right? And Psalm 100, we'll read Psalm 100 here in a second. But it's, it's uh, imperative, right? There are, hey, sing. Sing a song. It's, it's, a, it's a call to worship, okay? And then it also includes the reasons for worship. Hey, everybody worship. Here's why, okay? And Psalm 100 comes right at the middle of this sequence of psalms, these worship psalms. Uh, these hymns, and it gives us a, just a brief, uh, kind of shorthand way to sum the whole act of worship up in a nutshell. All right, it's I, I think Psalm 100 is for us for worship, like the Lord's Prayer is for prayer. Okay, it's it's a it's a nutshell uh, kind of shorthand way into the whole idea of worship. Um, we try and sing a lot of songs. You know, we, we keep it simple with worship. Uh, we, we tend to try and, and keep it to songs that 
uh, are hymns, whether they're modern worship songs or not. Uh, but hymns that include, hey, let's worship God, here's why, and are, are God-focused, okay? Um, so I, I want to I do this, and you may have, I, I've preached on Psalm 100 before, so if, if this is a rehash, if you all remember that, good for you, you have good memories. And if not, then uh, this, is, this is not new, I, but I love this psalm, it's one of my favorite psalms. Um, but here's, here's what I want to do. We're going to use this psalm as a hymn, okay? So that means we have to sing it together, not sing it. We'll, we'll just read it, okay? Um, so stand up. And we're going to enact. Now, who has, who has the, in order to stay together, I have the ESV. Um, you might not have the ESV, but some people do. Um, so here's what I want you to do. I want you, we're, so we're standing. I want you to turn and face someone. Okay. Now, this isn't literally how you, how you sing a hymn. What's that? Okay, me, me and Matt are. Um, so, we're singing a song, but it's a call to worship. It's a call to the people of God. So, the reason we're facing each other is because we are saying this as the people of God to each other. All right? And we are reminding ourselves of what's going on. Okay? So, let's, let's read Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to his name. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. You can have a seat. Okay, so one thing you should notice, not that it's, not that it's, so there are no first person pronouns. Okay, this is a corporate act that we just did. We worshiped God together. We called each other to worship, and we gave the reasons for those worship. We just, we hymned, we sang a hymn to the Lord for each other. Um, So, obviously, the Psalms contain uh, poems and songs that are written in the first person. So that's, that's obviously not a bad thing. But when we're talking about being together as the people of God, the focus is us giving God praise. Right? And that, that's it. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a powerful thing. And, and I hope, at, by the end of me talking about this psalm, I hope that you see and get a, get a vision for um, what it means to worship God as his people. Okay? In, in corporate, not just coming here and singing songs together, but that the substance of our lives should be praise and thanksgiving. We can be a people who constantly call each other to worship. Um, so you probably noticed that psalm's not very long. We knocked that out pretty quick. Uh, it doesn't include a lot of details. But like I said, it's, it's shorthand for us. It, it contains so much. It is so dense. Okay, so we're going to go through and talk about, um, just talk through this psalm. Each phrase is really packed with like, it's like a, it's like a nuclear bomb of theology and truth about God. Okay. 
Um, and so this, is, this psalm is supposed to remind us of the foundation for worship. Um, just like the Lord's Prayer is supposed to remind us how to pray. Okay? For example, when you read, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture, that should, that should open up for you. Yes, God provides for me. God leads me. God has fed me. God has protected me. You know, just that one phrase should unlock so much worship and praise in our lives. And this is the beauty of, of a hymn. Okay? It calls us back to the foundations of worship so that we can really enter into full worship together. Um, okay, so the structure of this psalm is very straightforward. Okay? You can't get any simpler than this. It has it's two verses that are a call to worship. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Invitation, okay? Statement on the reason for worship. For, uh, or know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We go back to another call to worship. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to his name. Uh, Give thanks to him. Bless his name. And then another reason. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So first thing to note is actually the inscription. What does it say? A psalm for giving thanks. Here's how you give thanks. And I'll say as a, as a side note, this word giving thanks is closely related to the word confess. Right? When we talked last week about confession, how did I, how did I describe what confession is? It's saying what it is. When you're confessing sin, you're calling sin, sin. Right? Well, here is a confession, not of sin, but of who God is. Say it like it is. Okay? So when you say, when you say praise or give thanks, it's confess. Say it like it is. Speak truth. Testify. So there's, there's a lot of words in here and phrases that you could just quickly brush over. But if you slow down, you will see the depth of, of this hymn. And there are these phrases that are used so frequently in Psalms, especially if we've been, you know, been reading, keeping up with the reading schedule. There are just these phrases that occur over and over and over, right? And you begin to sort of brush over them. But the idea of giving thanks, okay? Giving thanks. What is giving thanks? Ultimately, giving thanks is attributing your well-being to somebody other than yourself. Contributing your well-being or contributing something good. I mean, attributing, sorry. Attributing something good in your life to somebody other than yourself. Thank you. You are the cause of this good thing in my life. Thank you. Return thanks to them. It is because of you. Thank you. Um, and, and so this, this helps because if, if, you, if you find yourself struggling, like, well, I, don't, I know what we're supposed to worship. I know that that's something that's a part of uh, the life of a disciple. But I don't know how to worship. I mean, I see people and they're just, oh, yeah. And I don't, like, I don't do that, you know. Do I have to do that to worship? Well, you can. It's, feel free. But... Worship begins, according to this psalm, by saying thank you to God. 
If you can say thank you, you can worship, right? Luckily, most of the children in here, if they're of the age where they can speak, know what it means to say thank you. They know what it means to say, you gave me my juice, my well-being, <laughs> I'm attributing it to someone other than myself. Thank you. My juice came from you. Thank you. Right? And we teach kids, say please, now say thank you. Right? And it's one of the first lessons we learn about how to behave. Okay? So worship is as simple as saying thank you. Okay? So if, if it's ever time to worship, don't think of it as, as, you know, all right, let's get all worked up. Start to thank God. Okay? And it says, enter his gates. It's the way into worship. Thanksgiving. Okay? Um, saying thank you to God and meaning it is the beginning of worship. Okay? Um, Jesus is very clear on this. Okay? Jesus really paints a wonderful picture for us of what worship is, of what true worship is, in Luke 17. I'm going to read this. This is my favorite parables. 17.11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Jesus, then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? And there was a time in my life where I read that scripture and it just cut me to the heart. I don't want to be one of the nine. Man, God forbid I be one of those nine who is healed by God, cleansed by God, and struggles to maintain a heart of gratitude before God. I don't ever want to be that person. Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So there's a great story in Scripture of the power of thanksgiving and, and really our situation. We are lepers, right? We have no hope. We are cleansed. And we can go on our merry way or we can turn back and give God thanks. And that brings blessing into our lives. Okay, so what Thanksgiving accomplishes, what, what it accomplishes for us is it gives us a doorway into God's presence. Okay, when we approach Jesus, we want to be like that leper. All right, so Thanksgiving. Now there's two, there's a call, the psalm is a call to give thanks, to praise God, very simply. Now, there's two main reasons, okay? The first one is the Lord, he is God. Okay, and that's, that's another little thing that you will quickly brush over when you read Psalms. But that is the foundational statement of truth through all the book of Psalms, really through the whole Old Testament. It is the preeminent statement of faith of the people of Israel. Hear, O Israel, 
the Lord, thy God, the Lord is one. Okay, that is what everything boiled down to for the people of Israel. And it wasn't, so here's, this is very important. A lot of you have heard this before, but it's, it's worth repeating and reminding ourselves. When Lord is in all caps, it's the word Yahweh in Hebrew, which is God's personal name. Okay? God is not a name. God is a thing. Right? There are many gods. There, there would have been many gods in the ancient Near East. Okay? People were familiar with God. Everybody had a God. Everybody knew God. And actually, it's Elohim, which is multiple. There's this gods. Godness. That's what, that's what God means. It's an empty phrase. The question is not, is there a God? I mean, that's sort of the modern, our modern question. That's not it. The question is, which God? And this is the statement of, it's Yahweh. And he's a particular person. And he is the supreme God. Okay? Know that Yahweh, he is God. And then it goes on. This is another... So this, first of all, that is a major theological statement coming from the psalmist. Yahweh is God. Period. Okay? It's, it's only from the people of Israel that we have any sense of monotheism. Right? That, is, that was the distinctive of the nation of Israel. Yahweh alone is God. And then it goes on. It is he who made us and we are his. Because what would, a lot of the gods that were around, not Yahweh, but the other gods, what were they? They were part of the created order. They were the sun. They were the moon. They were the seasons. They were fertility. They were, uh, they were you know, crops. And they were part of the created order. And here's a statement that it's Yahweh who stands outside of, he made us. (laughs) We didn't make him, he made us. So we have this incredible statement, the Lord is God, Yahweh, the personal name of God, that he revealed to Moses in Exodus. Tell them that Yahweh said, I am who I am. I am the all-being one. He is the creator We come from him. Our, and this is, again, this is a major theological statement. We did not evolve. God made us. We're not a product of, you know, we need, we need to worship God and declare this, right? We have been made by a personal God. Okay? That is an amazing truth. But we weren't just made and then sort of set loose we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. There is a person who is a God. He alone is God. He created us. And he lives with us. And the metaphor that's used is like a shepherd with sheep. What a wonderful picture. The, the only true God, the one who made everything, is our shepherd. Okay, And this is another thing that everybody would have known what the role of a shepherd is, right? A shepherd leads the sheep. A shepherd protects the flock. A shepherd feeds the flock, cares for them, okay? 
So this psalm is telling us who God is, what our place in the universe is. It's answering all the big questions of life. But it's also telling us that God is our shepherd and he loves us. Um, oh, we don't have time for that. I, I, would, I would go to the, the great showdown between the gods, the Elohim, and Yahweh, which is in 1 Kings 18, when Elijah and the prophets of Baal, right? The whole point of that story is to show that there's one God, and it's Yahweh. And they even start to proclaim after after he shows himself and reveals himself by fire and, and comes down and Baal's doing nothing, they go, whoa, this Yahweh is God. Okay? So this is a major thrust of the whole Old Testament, and it needs to be a major tent post in our worship, that it is God. And for us, New Testament Christians, it's, it's no less, right? Because what's the, what's the truth of the gospel? That Jesus Christ is Lord. That's just like saying Yahweh is, know that the Lord, he is God. It's no different. The man Jesus, that person with that name, is the Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. That's still the content in the center of our worship. Okay? All right. Sometimes double-sided just is so confusing. Where am I? (laughs) Sorry. Okay, here it is. Maybe not. (laughs) Wait a minute. It doesn't help that my main points are Yahweh is God and then the other one is Yahweh is good because I can't tell what's going Okay. All right. Okay, here we go. Yes. Oh, there's page numbers. Why don't I just come up with the page numbers? Four, five. Okay. I think that's good. And then that's the end. At the end? That's the end. No, it's not. All right, so yes, it's a statement in the ancient Near East that separates Yahweh from the rest of the gods, okay? Um, But what does this mean for us? Um, Is this a statement that we need to make? Do we need to constantly be saying, uh, against all the other gods, Jesus Christ is Lord? Well, it's not, it's, not the same, it's not the same fight that we're fighting. Okay? We, we, don't, we don't battle against Baal. Um, we battle against everything that, that our culture has made its God. Okay? The, the biggest one is the self. Right? I mean, the God in America is the self. Um, and when we say, know that the Lord, he is God, in our current age, what we are saying is, we don't get to decide who we are. We receive our identity from God. Okay, do you see how that now begins to take on a little more radical sound? 
in our current climate. God made you who you are, and he is God. You yourself are not God. And when you walk with him, you receive who you are. You, you, the truth about your life is what he declares about your life. A lot of people don't like that. They like it when it's the good stuff that they like, but they don't like it when it's you were not created to do that. You need to turn from that. Yeah, but I like it. Well, the Lord is God. Okay, so this is coming home a little bit. So ourselves are not the God, uh, but also the things that we, the other thing that is God is, is, are the things that we give ourselves to. Right? In Psalm 16, it says, the drink offerings of blood I will not pour out to the other gods. And so what a drink offering of blood signifies is giving your life to something, allowing your strength to go out to it, allowing your emotions to go out to it. And the things in our lives that, that draw our life, that suck our life out of us and suck our emotions and, and grab our attention, I think we talked a few weeks ago when, when I was giving an introduction to the book about attention. And desire. That the Psalms teach us where to place our attention and our desire. Okay? Those things that grab at our attention and grab at our desire, those are our gods. Can we look to those? Um, I love this. The last time I preached on Psalm 100, I I used this example. And I'm going to use it even though it's it's woefully dated, I think. Um, But I think it's good. Uh, People console themselves. People comfort themselves with a lot of things that aren't God. Christians do. Right? Think of the things that you use to restore yourself. And not all of them are bad. I mean, God gives us rest to enjoy. He gives us food to enjoy. And it can be restorative, right? If we're giving thanks to Him for it. But those things that we just want, I just need to shut everything off and and listen to music. I just need to shut everything out and just Eat some comfort food, right? We even have a whole class of food called comfort food, right? It's the food that we just want to use to make ourselves feel better. There's something to that, right? Um, But I think, so there's a, a, uh, who knows a band called Wilco? You know the band Wilco? The drummer actually went to UK. He's a good, he's a really proficient percussionist. They wrote a song, and I think it's a brilliant parody. I don't think any of them are Christians. I actually think they're pretty atheistic. Uh, despicable people, but um, I think they're anti-Christian, but um, they wrote a song called Wilco the Song, and I think it's on an album called Wilco the Album. Um, It's just sort of this, anyway, I I, I like to read the song because it's a great satire on kind of the, the pitiful state of someone who has come to take comfort and shelter in music, okay? And you can substitute anything you want for music. But this song is parodying that, and it's it's pretty funny. So I'm going to read the lyrics. Are you under the impression this isn't your life? Do you dabble in depression? Is someone twisting a knife in your back? Are you being attacked? Oh, this is a fact that you need to know. Oh, 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 oh. Wilco. Wilco will love you, baby. That's That's how it goes. That's the refrain. Wilco will love you, baby. And obviously they're saying... We don't even know who you are. You know, it's like, this is a great satire. Are times getting tough? Are the roads you travel rough? Have you had enough of the old? Tired of being exposed to the cold? 
the stare of your stereo. Put on your headphones before you're exposed. Oh, 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 Wilco. Wilco will love you, baby. So many wars that just can't be won, even before the battle's begun. This is a man with arms open wide, a sonic shoulder for you to cry on. Wilco, Wilco will love you, baby. Um, and then it just goes on with more like that. So it's, this, it's, it's a great picture of the helpless state of someone who's relying on Wilco to escape life, to, to, to receive comfort. Um, and they're sort of mocking that, right? which I think is pretty, pretty poignant. But the point is that each, each, each one of us can get sucked into this desperate, sad, lonely, pitiful state um, and try and just grab at stuff to comfort us. Um, if we don't constantly remind ourselves and each other that, that the Lord, he is God, it is he who made us and we are his, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Do you see the power and the realigning power of that statement, right? In all the different ways that, we're, that we're, we're drug off into the world and into idolatry. So the final, the, the, the next reason that we're to praise God. So the Lord is God, it is he who made us. And the final reason here in verse 5 is that Yahweh is good. Okay? Yahweh is God, he deserves all praise. Yahweh is good. Uh, and there are two aspects of his character that illustrate his goodness here. Steadfast love and faithfulness. Steadfast love is a great, uh, it's, it's probably the supreme aspect of God's character as, as revealed in the Old Testament. When he reveals his name to, to Moses in Exodus, he says, Yahweh, Yahweh, full of steadfast love. The Hebrew word is hesed which is translated in the New Testament, agape, which is the love that, that in 1 John it says God is love. That's the kind of love it's talking about. Hesed, it's steadfast love. The psalmist in a different psalm, he goes on to say, he says, your hesed is better than life. This thing about God, this way that he loves people is better than life itself. 1 John says God is this kind of love. It's the love that in Romans, nothing can separate us from. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's the love that Jesus exemplified by hanging on the cross for people that didn't deserve it. His steadfast love endures forever. That kind of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Um, so steadfast love, here we go again. Okay. Nobody else made us, God made us. What is he like? Steadfast love. This mercy that he shows. And what are these? These are reasons that we are calling each other to worship. Okay? So, I think the take home for us Here's the application. I'll close with this, and then we're going to read a quick verse from uh, the New Testament. This psalm can show us about how to live, um, 
how to live in community. The kind of people that God wants us to be. The setting of the psalm, which we haven't talked about, is equally as important as what it actually says. The setting is the temple, where the people of God gather. The people of God are gathering together and they are exhorting one another toward thankfulness, the right attitude toward God. And what are they using to, to spur one another on toward thankfulness? So first of all, they are doing this. They are exhorting one another. What are they exhorting one another to? Thankfulness. How are they exhorting one another to thankfulness? By declaring who God is. And what are those things? That he is, that he alone is God. That he made us and we are his sheep. And that he is good and his mercy endures forever. But then you also notice about this psalm that they're saying that to each other. But there's an outward focus. Right? Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. So here we have what I think is a perfect glimpse, a kind of a core sample of the people of God. People who are enamored with who God is and what he's like. Filling their life and their conversation with reminders for that and responses to that. And being so caught up in the glory of that, that they can't help but say, Everybody, you got to come with us. you got to come here. Make a joyful noise. Join our joyful noise. Okay, so this is evangelistic. This is, this is uh, outwardly focused. They're not going and hiding themselves and rejoicing that they've discovered the secret of life and not everyone else has. They are going, whoa, look what we found. Let's, let's let it ring out. Right? The campus needs to know. Where I, wherever I work, they need to know what we found. So we have worship here, but worship always ends in witness and testimony. Because when you've actually entered his presence, when you've actually worshipped God and you've seen him, you, you, you will not have to be told to tell people about it. <laughs> you will not have to be held accountable to go tell people how good God is. If you have really found a heart of thanksgiving and praise, and you've truly come into his presence. Um, So, in Colossians 3.16, we know this verse, but I think it'll take on a a bit more significance, given everything that we've just talked about. This is Paul encouraging the people of God. You ever get a random hair in your mouth? Keep thinking it's gone and then it comes back. <laughs> three sixteen, Colossians three sixteen. I want to write a book going through all the three sixteens in each book of the Bible because I think there's there's something about it. There's a lot of great three sixteens. Um, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see how Psalm 100 is exactly what Paul is getting at. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dwell on who he is. Understand the love of Christ. Get captured with that. And let it just buzz among you, right? Let it, let it pull you together. Make it the substance of your conversation. Experience it. Remind each other, can you believe? Did you know this about God? Can you, can you imagine the depth of his love? In all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, much like Psalm 100. Encourage each other to, 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 to praise with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Not just, I mean, the idea of worship being primarily in a, a, an experience is crazy, right? Worship is a life-altering activity, right? And a community-shaping activity. It becomes it's not something we do and we ramp ourselves up to do and get the lights just right and get the music just right. We let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And we go around day by day reminding each other who he is and what he's like. And what that ends up producing is a people who, in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. There's thankfulness over and over. With thankfulness, giving thanks. Okay, and it all begins with just these basic truths in Psalm 100. It's a psalm that's easy to just read and go, hmm, yeah, great. But if you let, like, the word of Christ, I would, I would suggest, the word of Christ is there in Psalm 100. And if you let it dwell in you richly, it will, it will start to, to change your life. It will become more important as a topic of conversation than anything else. And it will become something that you really cannot wait for people to know about you. <laughs> you know, I, I can't stand salespeople who obviously are not really excited about the product, but they know that they have to sell it for commission, or they sort of become this brainwashed, like, here's how I sell this thing. The worst is like when someone who's you thought was your friend starts becoming really friendly with you and you discover that they're trying to sell you some sort of multi-level marketing thing. Remember that happened to anyone? That drives me crazy. Um, that's, not, that's not how we go around and tell people about God. Well, people at church said that the way to share the gospel is, is to share these four things with you. So, I could, brother, do you mind if I share you these four things? Well, is it real to you? If it, if it is, go just tell people what you know about God and, and see what happens, right? Because when someone comes and they are just enamored with something, they're not being paid to sell it. When, when they're enamored with something, I'm like, whoa, yeah, how do I? Let me, I'm going to go buy one, <laughs> right? And that's, that's, what, that's what this does. That's what worship does. It turns us into a people of witness and testimony to each other, encouraging each other, but doing it outwardly to the ends of the earth. Come see what we have found. Amen? Um, so that's praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving is not just a slice of your life. It is the whole mode of our life in the kingdom. It is what David said, let's offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts, shouts of joy. Let's sing while we do this. The Lord is God. He made us. We are His. 
And he is good. And he selflessly loves us from generation to generation. Amen? That is truth, and that should change your life. Amen? All right, let's stand up one more time. Let's, let's, uh, we'll close by... You don't have to face each other this time. Let's say it again. Let's let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Father, I pray that you would uh, teach us how to become this people. Lord, that you would lead us into your presence as we, as we give thanks to you. Lord, I pray that in these next weeks and months that our, uh, our conversation would, uh, would be transformed every day into to something that is more and more uh, centered on you and your goodness and your, uh, your glory. Uh, Lord, thank you for everything that you've done for us. And help us to be a people who shout to the ends of the earth, who are totally convinced because we've experienced it for ourselves of who you are and what you're like. And Lord, uh, send us out into the world where we work, where we go to school, where we interact with people who don't know you. And that, Lord, give us a heart to, to honor you by uh, inviting them to experience you as we have, God. Uh, we say that you are a good God and that you alone are God. And we ask that you would go with us this week. Uh, anoint us to be your people of praise and your witness to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.